This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Hi, today we're talking with Josh Sturgeon from Ember Tribe. This is part two of a three-part interview. If you haven't heard part one, go back and listen to that. So how do we talk to a CEO or a, an executive level person who is sitting there saying, you know, I really want, I want to acquire a market. You know, I want people to buy my stuff, basically. I want leads. I want all that stuff. And they think they're just going to spend, okay, here's $1,000 and that'll just keep running. Like, you know, just there I buy, you know, I buy a toaster and I don't think about it. This seems like a very different value proposition in that, it seems like you have to put a lot in to get a lot out. Is that true? Yeah, I think, you know, in a, in a sense it's true, but you don't have to make huge bets, right? So the clients right. that we're working okay. with, some of them are starting at $5,000 a month or, or less. Some are spending, you know, in upwards of $500,000 a month. I see. The level of scale can change drastically, but you can still benefit from this even at the lower levels of spend. But it is, it sounds that it's a continual investment. I mean, it's not like you're going to just have one ad and you're done. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So for a variety of reasons, this is very much an actively managed type of, of engagement. Right? Okay. So this idea of setting it and forgetting it isn't a reality for digital marketing for a number of reasons. One is that you're participating in an auction. And mm-hmm. so that auction itself is dynamic. Mm-hmm. And you have a number of advertisers who at different points in the year, even like at the end of Q3, Q4, a lot of people are spending money in advance of, you know, holiday shopping on mm-hmm. Black Friday, and it gets very expensive to run ads on some of these different platforms. Mm-hmm. So you want to be actively managing your budget there. The way that we liken it, honestly, is when you hand over your money to, say, an investment manager, mm-hmm. they are going behind the scenes, and they're actively trading your portfolio mm-hmm. and making sure that they're hedging bets mm-hmm. and managing risk. It's very similar to what we're doing on these platforms is that we're actively managing those campaigns, but along the way, trying to recycle the learnings that we're getting mm-hmm. about your audience and about what people are responding to back to you as an executive so that you can do some better strategic planning for the future and understand what's the next product that you need to release. Mm-hmm. What do you need to change about your sales process? How do you need to be more competitive in your market? And so it's this constant stream of filtering the learnings that we're getting from the campaigns, but also making sure that your money isn't just going up in smoke while well, we're managing for you. And it sounds like it's, I mean, if I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to start a business, I'm going to do this, it's not going to be an aspect where, okay, marketing, I need to spend $1,000 on that and I'm done. It's really going to be a continual investment that never goes away, really, until I'm satisfied that I don't want to make any more money. <laughs> is that really the case? It is. You want to commit to an ongoing strategy. Right, and you're right to think about it that way. You know, there's maybe a few rare exceptions where you maybe have an event, you're in the events mm-hmm. business, but even then, because we work with some of those businesses, they're marketing year round, always looking for the next event. So it is an ongoing kind of practice and change to your business. If you haven't invested in marketing yet, you need to start adapting a mindset that, okay, this is something that you do before you get in mm-hmm. trouble. Right, you right. To be proactive and to create demand and to have a full pipeline. And that, that is an ongoing kind of process. So it sounds like we've learned, well, many important things, but one of the critical things is is that know your customer and know where they frequent the internet and where they ask their questions and then answer those questions at those places. That's right. Yeah, I think it's where a lot of people 
will rush and skip over, unfortunately, mm -hmm. because it is so easy to get started with digital marketing. We find that people aren't taking the time to aim before they fire. I see. Or we'll see people on the other, on the other end of the spectrum who they spend an inordinate amount of time not talking to customers, but hypothesizing about mm -hmm. what they think their customers want. Right. And then they never launch and they never start learning. So right. we really try to take the middle road there with, okay, let's get some really good data to understand what right. makes your audience tick. But let's launch as soon as possible so we can let the data do the talking and reveal to us what people are responding to in real time. Yeah, I find that when I'm talking with potential entrepreneurs that I ask them, they have this brilliant idea, and I said, well, have, has anybody said they'd buy it? Have you actually talked to a human, a person that would actually right. buy it that wasn't related to you or didn't want to offend you? <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's really hard to get people to realize how important that is. So, you know, we have a lot of small business people. Do you think digital marketing, how can it be made more effective? And I'm implying here that it seems like for small businesses, depending on the business, digital marketing isn't always as effective. And I'd like you to think about that or talk yeah. about that. Yeah, so what we'll find, so in the cases where it's not effective, mm -hmm. there's usually a few culprits. One is that who they're trying to reach is so niche that they're spending a lot of time trying to boil the ocean, mm -hmm. basically. And that probably isn't the best approach for something that's ultra, ultra niche and hard to, to basically identify and find those people mm -hmm. through a programmatic ad platform. In those cases, we usually recommend something like cold outreach or just very, very focused, having a very focused presence at conferences or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. ABM or company's marketing is its own kind of beast, and that's usually one of the reasons why people will fail. But a more common reason is that people will try one channel, like Facebook, I see. not have success, but then throw the baby with the bathwater mm -hmm. and assume that all digital marketing right. is ineffective for whatever business line right. they're in. And that's just not true. So I'm just thinking back to some people that I know that listen to this, a CPA firm. Is digital marketing a good fit for them? Absolutely. Okay, so it sounds like if you're trying to build an H&R block or something like that, that digital marketing would work. But how do you get into the more specific, more nuanced, you know, because uh, it's a local firm. They do a lot of stuff in the community. They're not going to have 10,000 clients. They're going to have, you know, a couple hundred how does that work with digital yeah. marketing? So I think, one, getting razor-focused on who you can serve best mm -hmm. as a CPA, knowing that you are in somewhat of a commoditized service, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of folks that can offer the service. But on the other hand, there's a lot of people who need the service. But getting really, really focused around who you can serve best, and then also being able to surface customer stories of people that you have worked with that meet that criteria. Okay. And what I would recommend, to, just in very terms for a CPA is, for instance, we could target people who look like they're a small business owner, mm -hmm. and so therefore their taxes are already potentially complicated, mm -hmm. and or as a CPA, you can offer them a lot of value because there's a lot more flexibility to sure. optimize for tax season. But then maybe they also, I would couple that, pair it maybe with also an interest of people, let's say TurboTax or some mm -hmm. sort of DIY solution. And then we would devise a campaign, understanding that, okay, at least on some level, we believe that this is a good fit of people. On some level, we would design a campaign that says, tired of losing time and sleep, you come tax season, mm -hmm. doing this on your own. Your business has enough worries of its own, like, let us, you know, audit kind of how we might be able to help or, or whatever, right? But just, again, getting super focused about how you can help. Mm -hmm. And then let's go to these, you know, targeting rich platforms like Facebook or right. LinkedIn. To, to try to match and find that audience and then devise a message that really gets to the heart of their pain points and what they're trying to solve.
Does your organization need help with your IT? Savior Labs is a Boston IT firm that cares for your business and team. We solve problems so you can focus on what you do best. Talk to us today about your biggest technology problems. Just follow the link in the show notes and enter the code EDGE for more information. Okay, so let's say you propose that I'm the CPA. Is there enough business? We're in the North Shore of Massachusetts, north of Boston. And we're not going to be doing taxes for people in North Carolina. So is there enough business to actually get enough customers? Let me answer it this way. Let's find out. Okay. All right. You know, Fair enough. You know, what's, what's your wager? Would you be willing to spend $1,000 to get an initial benchmark of mm-hmm. how this could perform for your business? If it works, what's the upside for your business? That's a good point. Endless stream of referrals or new clients, and then they're going to stick around for how long? What's mm-hmm. the lifetime value of a client? Right. It could be 10, 20 years times right. $1,000 a year. So you stand to gain $10,000, $20,000 per customer. Sure. What's a, what's a $1,000 test to see if it'll work for mm-hmm. you? All right, good, good idea. Okay, so now I have to have a website. I built my website and nobody comes to it. What am I doing wrong? Is it that that is a irrational expectation, which I probably think it is, but, um, <laughs> you know, if they build, if you build it, they will come. come. Yeah, so I built a website, spent a couple of thousand dollars, a couple hundred dollars. I did it myself, whatever, yeah. and I'm, I'm disappointed. Right. It hasn't really produced anything. Are you going to sit there and say, well, what did you expect? Of course, that's the way it is. Or what do you counsel me? It's like, well, because I don't think you could say, okay, we fast forward to what you just said. And I think you'd still say I have to have a decent website. So that, that was a prerequisite, but it wasn't necessarily going to get me new customers. That's exactly it. I would say, Paul, you're off to a great start. Okay. I don't stop there. And I think the website... In 2019, when we're recording this, it's a critical piece to your marketing mix. Mm -hmm. It's going to give people a doorway into your business. Mm -hmm. But if people don't know where to find you, if they don't know that you exist, Mm -hmm. they're not going to walk through that door in the first place. Right. I've invested a bunch of time and money into it. And they can come up to the door, as you said, but nobody seems to come. So I've spent all this time writing all this content. And I spend it every week. I post a new blog post about this. And nobody comes. What do I do about that? Is that where advertising comes in? Yeah. So having the ability to control traffic from your target audience, I think, is an incredible opportunity. And we talk about this strategy as what we call like a rent-to-own strategy. Mm-hmm. And just similar to like the real estate market where you can rent a place for a period of time and eventually own it, we see the same thing with paid traffic. In the near term, let's get faster feedback loops. So let's understand what's going to work. And let's rent that traffic by paying for it from Facebook or from Google. Mm -hmm. But let's eventually own some of that traffic. And that's where maybe more of the content marketing will come in. Oh, I see. Where you're getting maybe the organic rankings in Google and you're showing up for stuff or your stuff's getting shared organically. Mm -hmm. But a great way to jumpstart all of that and learn very quickly is by renting the traffic for it through advertising. How do you apply that to the CPA example we were using? So we have a CPA firm and we handle people who want to pay a lot of money to get their taxes done yeah. <laughs> because it's easier to have people pay a lot of money than it is to have. We're not doing the the commodity, right. basically. Right. So we're we're special advisors. Yes. You know, we have blog posts about take advantage of this new law. Don't forget about this. Don't do that. We go out and we start advertising. And we don't want to have a used car salesman up there or that to be the result. How do we build a, you know, sort of the 
the ads for the higher end things as opposed to, you know, just, I guess there's a lot of products like an iPhone or an Android device or the new, new phone where I would imagine there's a lot of vigor around those ads and capturing that response. How do you do it in some of these more long tail decisions that people have to deal with? Yeah, so if we stay on the CPA example, and let's call it, you know, a premium CPA service that's maybe 10x what you'd have Mm -hmm. anywhere else, I think you want to, if you're going to invest time in content and creating content, I think you want to reverse engineer what you want that content to accomplish. Okay. The mistake we see a lot of people making is they'll go up onto the whiteboard, they'll brainstorm a bunch of topics or ideas Mm -hmm. that may or may not really appeal to their target audience Mm -hmm. and then they'll spend hours upon hours writing about it and guess what nobody cares and they never tested it like never tested yeah never never asked their customer what they thought exactly but on the other hand if you know because at least you have some existing customers and you've gone through the sales process you know what their objections are in the sales process Mm -hmm. what their fears are and you know that as a service provider, people are really buying time with you. Mm-hmm. And so there's a part of you that you need to be selling there. Right. Well, now, if you know that, if you know that's what's going to attract and convince people to work with you, start there. Don't start with just cool ideas about taxes and laws. I mean, that stuff's good, but it's secondary. Mm-hmm. Focus on the things that are going to help you when you get on the phone with somebody be like miles ahead of where you would have been otherwise. And then that way you can maybe focus on having fewer content pieces, but they're more effective and Mm -hmm. leverage the paid traffic maybe to get in front of those people more efficiently. Well, we've been talking with Josh Sturgeon of Ember Tribe. There'll be ample opportunity in the show notes and links for both Josh individually and for Ember Tribe. This has been part two of our interview with Josh Sturgeon of Ember Tribe. Be sure to listen to part three next week. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.